What's up, everybody? This is Phil Rogacki. And I'm Jared Abergina. You're listening to Two Tree Guys Podcast. All right. This was a, this show is a very, uh, was not scheduled whatsoever. So we're, we're definitely impromptuing to have a show right now in the middle of the day. And a lot of people are watching, probably going, what the heck's popping on? Cause they usually announce it a few times before we come online. Uh, but today we got a special guest, uh, Mr. Mark ship. Welcome. Thank Welcome you. to the show. Thank Welcome you. to the show. Uh, Mark ship is the tree care insurance and risk guru. This guy knows more about insurance and risk management for our industry than anybody I know by far uh, for that, you know, and, and not only being a guru, but also a good friend and someone that I've trusted in a long time for advice. I've uh, called you up uh, with uh, questions about the industry, about insurance. Can we do this? Can we not do this? And always giving me the straight answer and no bullshit, Absolutely. you know, for that. And uh, uh, Mark is a senior executive vice president uh, for Hub International, and he's the founding broker of ArborMax. And everybody's heard of ArborMax at every single trade show. ArborMax is there. They're, uh, they're a sponsor for just about every single event there is. Absolutely. Um, and you've been in the industry for 28 years and your mom was in the industry for 58 years. Yes, sir. I mean, you grew up knowing this stuff. You were the, the sounding board as you were telling me about how your dad passed away at 13 and, yep. and, uh, your mom would come home and unload and you would listen to everything yep. and you would learn probably the do's and the don'ts and what to do. And, Absolutely. You know, and I think that's why, you know, we've connected so much, uh, because you speak my language, you understand what I'm thinking and, and what I want to know, you know, from that. So dude, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show. Uh, I'm excited just to hear your story, you know, because I've heard bits and pieces, but I never heard the Mark ship story. Yeah. Uh, and I have a feeling after the show, there will be a novel, a biography that'll be coming out in some way or some form. My wife keeps pushing me. <laughs> you should, you, you have some stories, you know, um, but the, one of the most important features about Mark and his greatest attribute is he is the best hugger. Thank you. Thank <laughs> so you. have you ever met Mark? How tall are you? Six, seven. Six, seven. And he gives you a hug and about crushes your head because that's, that's the, you're at chest height with him or your head's at chest height. So before we start any show, um, we drink some beer because it hence two tree guys and a and a bucket of beer and we're missing one of our guys today and he's probably going to be watching and super pissed off at me right now but jared abergina isn't with us and uh he's uh he had a big job he had to go do today and and be on there uh but maybe he'll call in so jared if you're watching i'm sure you're gonna see it uh hopefully you call in and be a part of it and i'm sorry sorry, sorry. mr jared <laughs> sorry I'll, you'll have to come I'll, back for I'll part two your beer, though. <laughs> so this this beer we're going to be drinking today this is an absolute staple of breweries. This is the ninth largest craft brewer in the United States. Uh, they started in 1996 in San Marcos, California by Greg Koch and Steve Wagner. Uh, and anything, any store, any restaurant, anywhere I go, I see Stone Brewery. Um, and a cool part about this uh, place was we used, I used to prune their trees. 
I used to take care of their garden. If you haven't been in San Diego uh, to their beer garden, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I've been it's there. It's cool it's as excellent. hell. You can walk around. I mean, it's just an awesome place they, they've created there. I mean, they have places. They just opened one up in Napa, California, uh, Richmond, Virginia, Oceanside, Pasadena, uh, J Street, and San, Di- San Diego International Airport. Um, and they are... They're a staple in the craft brewer. So I'm excited to drink a beer today with you, man, and and talk about the industry and talk about, you know, some good times we had drinking beer in the pool at winter management yeah, and the conversations yeah. we have and, you know, the things that come to pass and the things that are in our future for that. So grab a beer, man, and let's okay. let's try one. All right. I'm trying. Uh, this is a double IPA. It's Fear Movie Lions. Uh, they put the label upside down. Nice. Not sure why. But I don't know. So this is an 8.5 that I'm going to be drinking here. You know what? I'm going to drink mine out of the bottle. This is Exotic Destinations IPA. Exotic Fueled Journey. Let's see. Exotic Destination. Was it the colors you picked that one? I just grabbed it. (laughs) Cheers, brother. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, everybody who's watching here. All righty. So let's let's dive into your story. You know, okay. um, I mean, 28 years in the tree care industry, working with companies all over the country. Yes. All over the country. But let's let's talk about how you got in this industry. Where are you from? You know, how, how it all began. Well, originally from Texas, my my parents met when my dad was going to USC Um she was from Oklahoma. He was from Texas. Started the family back in Texas, then came back to California when I was in going into the third grade. Mm-hmm. My mom was in the insurance business even back then. So, yeah. um, father passed away uh, when I was thirteen. Yeah. And uh, my mother's just she she's you know I went to UC Santa Barbara, graduated with my political science degree, decided not to go to law school, mm-hmm. worked my way through college doing a variety of jobs, including construction, and got my first job out of college was in construction management mm-hmm. for an underground utility company. So I was doing takeoff estimates and those kinds of things. And uh, I didn't quite have that unique ability for that particular job. I just knew that I liked um, the people. And um, there was a construction slowdown. I was, you know, got let go from the company. Mm-hmm. Was out of work for about six months. My mom looks over at me and says, "Mark, I think you should try insurance." And how old were you then? It was, uh, it was like twenty-seven. So twenty-seven. Well, technically, you, you've had you know fourteen years of experience since you've been thirteen or thirteen, yep. yep. right? Uh, thirteen and learning about this. The, hearing all the good and the bad that's coming from it. But you're born in Texas, came back to California and it was, was it her own company or did she work? She worked for a couple of different companies, a couple of different companies for that. Uh, and then getting let go from your construction company or the gas company. Yep. Underground utilities. Yes. Mm -hmm. And where were you when, when she asked you that question? Uh, we were at home. It was just the two of us. I was about, I was kind of down on myself. It was about six months. I was about out of work for about six months she said, Mark, you'd be really good at this business. And I resisted going into it because I told her I'd never go into this freaking business. You know, yada, how, yada. how many people have said that to their parents exactly. before? I'll never do what you do, mom, exactly. dad, never. Yeah. 
And sure enough, they follow in. The, I mean, yeah. it's funny, you know, uh, Rich Kingsborough and Cindy. I mean, you got Billy and you got Kelly. You're like, nah, we'll never do what our mom and dad does. And exactly. now, now look at them, you know, from that. You know, my dad was a mailman. And, and I actually looked to get becoming a mailman. Yeah. Uh, but my mom was a male, male person. Uh, and my brother-in-law became one wow. and it was following in the family. He's kind of, but it, I didn't, I moved out, you know, from there, but I was looking into it for that. So you were sitting there, you were down on yourself. I mean, what'd you want to do when you grow up, grew up? Well, I thought I wanted to be, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I did an internship at a law firm after I graduated from UC Santa Barbara and absolutely hated it. Uh, I just, Why is I, that? Because I, I modeled kind of like what would life be like as a lawyer? What would what would the focus be? How would it be an actual? I go from from theory to application. Mm-hmm. I was you know kind of grandiose, wanted to save the world, loved the study of constitutional law, loved the the bigger problem, the strategic you know yeah. kind of. But you go to law, and it just it's it's basically you're in a fight every day. And it's about billable hours. It's about, you know, and I yeah. try to look at what was the life of a young partner like or one a young lawyer that wanted to be a partner. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that one of the young partners, the only time he saw his child is when his wife would bring it into the office mm-hmm. awake. I'm like, that is not a lifestyle I want. Mm-hmm. So, and so that just left me to try to find out what was the next thing. I mean, what what drove you to to want to be a lawyer? Um, it was to do some good for the world. Gotcha. Good, good. Yeah. We we are. Oh, That's for you. sure. Thank you. That's for sure. So, mom says, Mark, let's. You need to get in the business. Yeah. So let's I went to this. went to work at Farmers for uh-huh. a year. Got a little bit of insurance acumen. Uh, went from there to work with her at the company that she was. She was. Uh, working for and she was a super technical insurance person didn't really have marketing skills didn't really have and she was like kind of an engineer kind of type Mm -hmm. and wasn't really a great mentor for me other than learning insurance specific things so the one thing that that really stands out to me i remember it was probably the second day i was working with her and she looked at me and she said, Mark, I got to tell you something. I said, she said to me, Mark, you always, always do what's best for your clients and you'll be taken care of. And if they are trying to push you to do something that you shouldn't, don't. Mm-hmm. Always do what's best for them in spite of them and for them. And that stuck with me. It stuck with me through my whole career mm-hmm. and I've, I've lived that credo and yeah. it's really made, you know, it's kind of like my backboard. My, yeah. it's like, what, what's the, when all else, it's your North star. It's my North star. Absolutely. When all else fails, you go to this and yes. you're just like, mm-hmm. always do right by them. Yep. Always. always. No matter what. No matter what. Because I mean, there, <laughs> there's times where I try to persuade you and what about this and how do we do this? And you know, but you, you always shoot a straight yep. no matter what. Cause you know, because it, it comes back around. It, it's you always want to know that your clients are taken care of, mm-hmm. and that they have the knowledge that they need to make the appropriate decisions. Yeah, and that's just been a filter of decision making through throughout my whole career. Yeah, that's neat. That's neat. I mean, it's a you need a T-shirt that says that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mark Ship, 
in the same. So you got in the industry, you worked at farmers, then then how how how'd the story go to get into the, the went, tree care side? Went to the independent agency my mother worked for. Um worked there for a little while, wasn't quite successful there. Um had a couple of good relationships. One was with a landscape company. Mm-hmm. He introduced me to one of his friends that was a tree guy. And he said, Mark, you got to talk to my buddy. He's absolutely bleeding over here. He doesn't know what to do. See if you can help him. And I, and I just, I went and I spent a day and a half with him. Yeah. I said, tell me about the business. Tell me about what you do. Show me what you do. Yeah. And I, I just came in with a curiosity that, that I, no one had ever had. Because what, what were, what were, uh, these tree guys or companies doing before? I mean, what company were they just with any they, they insurance with, company? It was or? mostly like non-admitted carriers, really, really crappy insurance. They, yeah. That insurance carriers didn't really know the, the industry, thought thought of them as tree cowboys, and really didn't yeah. know the ones that were really focused on the right safety protocols, mm-hmm. had the good uh, relationships with their employees, did yeah. the right things, and wanted to do the right things. There's yeah, no yeah. way for them to really understand and separate those. I mean, it's, it's even to this day, I mean, it's still a lot of questions up there with yes. insurance companies of, we don't know how to insure you. Right. We don't, we don't know because they don't know the industry as much, right. you know, and that's where, you know, hub and Arbor Max really came in, you know, because they, they understood the tree care industry. They understood the risks that we had and, and how to work with us to give us, you know, yes. a fair price and, and that, because it's not cheap to, work in the tree care industry as you know that's correct you know with that so you met this do you remember what company that was that tree company it was it was a small company in ventura yeah uh, it was it was like two employees I, I do you know if they're still around they're not no they're not. no gotcha gotcha so you came in you you started insuring them i did i did and then uh lo and behold i get this kind of bulletin from one of my favorite carriers, which at the time was CNA. And they had these things called CAM program. It was a commercial mm-hmm. affiliated marketing. And they had this thing, they called it uh, TAP, the Arborist Program. Or, or at one time it was called NAP, Na- National Arborist Program. And it was, they gave a description of the business and what, you know. So it just really, uh, they were starting to embrace it as a, as a uh, quality frontline carrier. And we had a great relationship with them. And I just just took off. So wait, now let's go back to that. National NAP, National Arborist Program. You, the company you were working for, this was the program that kind of got started. Uh, this is... This is a, what was called. A, it was CNA had these programs that were called commercial. And who's CNA? It's an insurance carrier. Okay, CNA. Gotcha. So they had these special programs for slotted business like tree care. Okay. And they 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 send a bulletin out to all their agents. Hey, if you want to go after tree care companies, we've got the best product. And so I'm like. Hey. So CNA developed this. Uh huh. And where where did they get it from? I mean. Um, from. Well, from just, the, from just they, 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 they've got a few companies and then they developed a program yes. because they seen that yep. it was such a big gap. Mm-hmm. Let's go after the tree care companies and provide uh, uh, great insurance for them because nobody else is really helping them out right now. Exactly. Okay. So then you seen that. Yep. And then this was pre-internet days. Uh-huh. So 
what I did was there was I there was this everyone remembers I don't know if you remember microfiche and and used mm-hmm. to I I'd go to the library and print out lists from microfiche from this thing called Dunn's Microcosm. Okay. And I drove to every library from you know in basically from Santa Barbara or San Luis Obispo through San Diego that had you know this Dunn's Microcosm system mm-hmm. and printed out all these lists of tree care companies. And so, really? Yeah. And just and then and they just, had their address, their phone number, everything phone number, on there. Had a little, had some statistics, kind of like done yeah. at Bradstreet. Okay. And then just created my my plan. And then. What do you mean you created your plan? Well, what is what's your plan? Well, to go after the tree care business, to to tell them that I was specializing, and this is way. way and this back is from then. CNA of the NAPS program, and yeah. you go. Because your one interaction that you had yep. with this one, you just yep. said, this is it? I flipped the switch. I said, I'm, I'm focusing on this. I joined the TCIA, or then it was the NAA, the National Arborist Association. Okay. I joined the ISA, the Professional Tree Care Association of San Diego, and then just started giving. It's giving and learning. And my first winter management conference was in San Diego, and it was like, I think that was 96. And let me or tell not, you, or maybe the, you have become the staple to the winter man. I mean, if you're not there, it is not a winter management <laughs> conference. It is Thank not. You. you were the, like the first guy every time I come that's greeting everybody at the door. And I Thank see you. it. I'm like, there's Mark. We are at the winter ma- management conference. It's official now, yeah. you know? Um, so, I mean, what do you think clicked in you to where you were like, this is, this is the target I want to go after. These are the people I want to help. Well, it's generally most tree care company owners are great people. Yeah. And when they have, when they're great people and have good attitudes and have a passion for what they do, they're a good mix for me. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to have everything right. Yeah. You just have to have the right attitude. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they have to have the right attitude. And I think kind of a benevolence towards their employees. Gotcha. And that benevolence towards their employees turns out, to help them to become more profitable. And when I, when I was, was really, really active in, in, in AA and then became the TCIA, I was on the board of the association as mm-hmm. associate member director for six years. Yeah. And I got to see, you know, the transformation of the industry start to happen. To, there was a lot of confusion between the National Arborist Association and the ISA and what their different, you know, missions were. We helped design the mission to advance the tree care industry and change the name to the Tree Care Industry Association. So there wasn't as much of kind of a confusion and overlap between the two associations. Between ISA and NAA. Yeah. Now, I mean, you know, th- they still operate pretty separate. Yeah. Right. For the most part, you know, uh, um, and no, they are completely separate. Yeah. But I mean, back in the day you felt there was a separation. So let's create the tree care industry because people were getting confused. Yes. There was confusion. In now the it's okay. Okay. There's no confusion. It. In the so now, now it's, Hey, we're separate. They've kind of, they run their own deal, their own thing. Well, they always have. Yeah. ISA is focused more on the educational side of things as it relates to tree care specific yeah. knowledge and TCIA is focused on the business side. 
So you were a part of that, the whole name change. Yeah. Interesting. We initially, um, when we I remember going to Las Vegas and sitting with a group of uh, the board and trying to figure out if we wanted to do accreditation. Mm-hmm. And what would accreditation do? What would it mean to transform the industry? Mm-hmm. And we kind of collaborated and thought it was a good idea and thought, well, let's do a member survey. So we did a member survey. A member survey came back negative. They didn't want to do it. Hmm. So Why? Why? Too much work. Gotcha. So we then, went, then we came around and went back to our mission as the advanced tree care industry. Hmm. And we implemented it anyways. Hmm. Hmm. It's funny when you, you follow your North Star and you stick to it yep. in your mission of, of what happens in life when, when it, it answers all your questions, right? You have a question, just go to your mission, you know? So, you know, I always tell companies that I talk to a lot is what's your mission, what's your vision, what's your core values, because yeah. that's, what's going to keep you on track every Absolutely. single time. If you start getting off track and you go, should we do this? Well, I don't know. Ask your mission and vision. Does it align? If it aligns then yes, if it doesn't, yep. no. You know, from that. So that's neat to hear that you guys went back to that and said, no, we're going to do that because this is advancing the tree care industry. And that was back in 1996. I mean, when you. So that was a number of years forward from. But you got into everything in 1996. Yes. So when you got into the industry, I mean, I don't know if it's a coincidence or what, but Stone Brewery also started in 1996. Hey, and it was in San Diego. It was in San Diego. My first winter management conference. So. Man, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Cheers to that. That's awesome. Um, awesome. So getting in the industry, in the insurance, finding out this is your niche. This is what you're going after. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting with TCI, ISA. I mean, where, where'd you have to go to find, hey, who are the industry leaders? Who so, are, where do I get the that's knowledge? A, that's a really great question. So my focus when... I was on the board of the TCIA was really to learn business problems, to learn the business itself. Mm -hmm. And most of the focus for the TCIA back then was really on the East Coast. So there was, at that time, there was no direct exchange for me and new clients. I was just going there to give and learn. And, you know, even one of the board members thought I was kind of a Pollyanna. So the focus was really to, to... to see what can we do to improve, what can we do to improve the industry. And I would give myself 100%. My son was a baby when I started on the board there. I traveled all over the the United States to to do these board meetings, and Mm -hmm. I did so with a lot of passion and still still have a ton of passion for this business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I definitely love what I do. It's, it it definitely shows. I mean, it being in the industry, as long as you've been in, in this niche in 28 years of doing this, it's, uh, every time I talk to you about something or an idea or a thought, I mean, it's like you just started. Yeah. That's what I feel like, you know, which fires me up and, you know, I'm sure your people around you that, you know, have trusted in you, but it it does, it fires me up. I'm like, Oh man, Mark's on board. Hell yeah. Let's do this, man. He's with me. He thinks it's a good idea. Uh, but you just don't stop there just to listen. You know, one of the greatest things about Mark is uh, you come right alongside and you're a partner, yep. you know, you're like, all right, how do we do this together? Yep. Because I'm, I'm in, I'm in business with you, Exactly. you know, how do we figure this out? And, and, 
You know, Mark was uh, kind of a key factor for myself of starting my own company, my own concrete company. Uh, you were the man when it came to that because I remember calling you up and I was actually here at Atlas um, Tree and I was in the camper staying, helping out Atlas at the time. And uh, I called you up and I'm like, man, what insurance I get? You know, what do I do? And it's like, what type of work are you doing? And I told you, you know, dealing with the trees and the roots and, and you go, how about, you mean, you should probably do a C28. I mean, a C27, cause that's a landscaper's license. You're doing, you know, concrete, you're dealing with trees under 12 feet. You're not, I'm like, oh my gosh. You're a GC because, outside. Dude, it, that was, that was a, that part right there. I'm like, thank you, dude. Thank you so much, Mark. Because that was the part I couldn't come over. I couldn't overcome right. with starting my company because I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Because right. I haven't been in there to get a C8 for that long. So you not only you help change my life, you, you help direct, you know, 26 families that now have this type of work to be able to do this just yeah. from one simple conversation from that. Um, and as I always say on this show, it's, you never know where, what's going to, the words you use and to who they use at that time, you never know what it's going to do, not only in their life, but people around them's life. So I always encourage everybody to say, say the right thing, do the right thing, help people out, yes. uh, because you can, you, you change a life and you can change this whole industry. I think, you know, the experience of being a young insurance professional with a lot of piss and vinegar, um, and also looking at um, the effect that the calls of having the company owners call me with catastrophic injuries, hmm. um, deaths early yeah. in my career changed my trajectory. And mm -hmm. it's still, I'm getting the chills just thinking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember many, many calls earlier when safety wasn't as prolific as it is now. And now tree care still is one of the most highest hazard industries uh, there is, but the good companies can separate themselves. And that's really the focus is, you know, if the companies that I work with don't have the right attitudes, yeah. they're not a fit for me. And I've learned that through experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a guy falling out of a hundred foot you cause he was pushed you know, push to climb a tree he wasn't comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Not uh, pushed out of the tree. No, not pushed out of the okay. tree, but, you know, pushed to do yeah. something he wasn't comfortable with, you know. And, yeah. And then, you know, just roll, you know, getting guy getting rolled over by a nine-ton nine crane truck, you know, those those kinds of instances. And they leave scars, just yeah. like personal tragedies. And, and if they don't, then you're too callous and you shouldn't be in this business. So mm -hmm. that's where, you know, I can sit across the room from – management team of the company yeah and tell them you know you have to do it a certain way yeah and i mean uh, it, there's a part where i i don't want to be on that side i mean you're receiving those calls from not one but multiple tree companies yep. around the country that's a that's a tough position it is. and then to keep composure because you have an owner um that's scared yeah what's going to happen what do we do? How do we do this? Uh, and then you're able to stay cool, calm, collective, yep. even though you're like, Oh, probably old crap. Yep. This is, this is a big deal, but, yep. but you walk them through and you work with them. Absolutely. And with the company that I, I work for, uh, we're 
you know, we're the, you know, fifth largest brokerages in the world, largest privately held company. I've got every resource known to man. Mm. And Didn't it's, I know like, that. it's like whatever is needed for that particular situation, whether, yeah. wherever they are, yeah, I have colleagues that I can call at a drop of a dime to come assist. And, hmm. you know, we have protocols for, for when those things happen. You know, sometimes things happen to, to, to really good companies as well, of course. Yeah. yeah. So you need to be able to have those protocols in place to make sure that there's an infrastructure to support them when the shit does hit the fan. And it is, you know, and that's where, you know, uh, Hub is, you know, my, my partner in this. In, in both companies, in three companies, yep. um, <laughs> and in Jared's company also, who's normally on the show, but it's, uh, it is, it's definitely that partnership. Yep. It's that, you know, feeling comfortable to call you and, and not, not feel like I'm getting the runaround, right. but just be able to shoot you straight. Yep. Mark, that's I'm a, in deep shit. That's exactly what do I do? Yeah. How only, do I do this? Way, only way and you're like the first it. call, yep. very first call, you know, if something happens, you know, uh, or it's just calling mm-hmm. to say, Hey and talk about what's going on in the industry and you know hey what are we doing at winter management where are we going out to dinner exactly. you know things like that uh, even though i fell asleep last time <laughs> and i'll never forget that because they didn't wake me up to go yep. so i'm holding that to them but so, the next one i'll be there so i think you know i have a very low turn- turnover on my team i have many people that have been with me yeah. for, for for a long long time 15 20 years mm-hmm. and i've got and the new people that we attract to my team as well, you know, just there's nothing that a tree company could experience in their business that we haven't experienced a hundred times over. Yeah. Hmm. It's now let's, let me ask you, let me ask you some of this. Um, we have Hans online right now, you know, Hans, the bad Hans, Instagram, no, uh, guru. I just had a conversation with uh, today. Uh, he owns a company called New Jersey uh, Crane Experts. Okay. Awesome training company. We're going to be partnering with him uh, and the Academy of doing some training out here on the West Coast and everything. But he says, I need to meet this guy, you know. And and Hans has been in the industry for, for a long time, you know, out here. Owns a company out in New Jersey and now yeah. owns a crane training school. But uh, I'll have to connect you guys after after the show on Absolutely. here. Absolutely, great. Um, so let's. Let, I want to dive in a little bit. There's there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to this. Uh, I want to dive into kind of the industry and working with different companies. And I mean, it, you're a wealth of knowledge. To why does accidents happen? What is the cause of a lot of this stuff? Uh, to how to be able to handle this? What to look for? What not look for? Some advice. Let's 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 kind of dive in for an individual who's listening to this, even from somebody that climbs for a company to hey, I've owned this company for thirty years. Mm-hmm. Just some knowledge that you can. I mean, twenty eight years of doing this, you've learned a couple things, right? Uh, from multiple different companies a lot of, of what not to do, what to do, starting a company. A lot of people that come on the show uh, that'll ask questions, uh, they'll have some questions like, hey, I want to start a company. What do I do? Yes. Uh, hey, I just had an accident happen. What do I do? Yes. There's so many, what do I do? And I think we should create a, a, a little segment on the podcast show. It's called, uh, what the beep do I do? Yeah. Starring Mark Ship <laughs> and giving advice to everybody. Like that. To so that. let's dive into kind of some of the biggest takeaways that you've learned in this industry 
from companies and accidents and things that happen? What are the, the, the major gaps that you see? Well, I, I think, you know, really it comes down to, it's not, so, I want to address the gaps. It's really, what are the, what are the characteristics of the highest performing companies? And that's really what you look at. What are the characteristics? Characteristics are they have low turnover employees. They have a benevolence toward their employees. So they think that their employees is very valued assets and have personal relationships with them. If it's a large company, then there's ways for them to create that feeling uh, of, of intimacy with, with their employees. Um, this, this, this stuff right here, everybody that's watching this, listen to this. If you own a company, if you work for a company, but if you own a company, these are some of the major points of, of, of that Mark's pointing out here that's super important. Do you strive? Do you strive to be the employer of choice in your market? So I, I commonly hear, how do I compete with Cheapy Tree? How do I compete with that guy? Well, if you can't get your selling message to your audience about how different you are, then you need to focus on selling. What is, what is your unique selling proposition to the marketplace? And, and how are you going to achieve the profitability goals that you have, if you have profitability goals? And understanding your costs and knowing how, how important the insurance is to your overall profitability. If you're an insurance risk, if you're bad insurance risk, you're, you're, and now especially we're entering into what's a really, really hard insurance market, especially in the excess areas because auto utilization is so much higher, uh, distracted driving, all of those things Man. that are happening, the excess, there's, we're getting, you know, you know, uh, volcanic verdicts. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they're just, just the verdicts are very, very high. Uh, with auto accidents. So there was a guy that just died last week in Northern California in an auto accident for a tree company. Well, wow. you know, had a seizure and now un there was other things that were encountered for it. Sure. Uh, but went backwards and, and died. Well, wow. just last week. So, so those are the things that to make sure you're embracing safety, you're embracing risk as a potential profit gouger, and you look at it as, hey, if I don't pay attention to this, my company could be gone. And and you you have everybody on staff is a safety manager. They all manage their own safety. They manage the safety of those around them. And 99.9% .9 of accidents, incidences in the tree care industry are preventable. What, what was that percentage? 99.9%. I mean, there's, there's instances where there's tree failure that it couldn't have been found. Yeah. It couldn't have been found. But those are fewer and far between. Mm -hmm. So what does it come down to? Is it, is it a... It's attitude. Attitude? Yeah. For the individual? For the owners. For the owners. For the owners and making sure that they have the control of their safety program, that it's installed... It's monitored. It's managed. It's important. It's not seen as, oh, I got to do another safety meeting. Because you know what? The people in the company realize 
that you look at as just an obligation and mm -hmm. they don't take it seriously. So a new company starting, I need to create a safety program. Step one, I mean, what do we do? So I always point them to the TCIA. Yeah. I mean, you've got everything you need to start a business, mm -hmm. to build the infrastructure, great experts there at the TCIA that mm -hmm. are willing to guide you and help you start the business. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, so where, where do you, where do you go for that? You know, I mean, is there, is there a certain person we call is how do I, how would I receptionist, the reception and you're like, Hey, I want to start a business yep. They'll in the tree care. The right what do I do? Yes. And they're all, okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Because this is a question a lot of people have on the show is, you know, hey, I'm starting a business. What's your advice? Well, my advice is a little bit different than the person across the table than to Jared's on this. But, you know, I mean, I, I know how starting a business in California, it wasn't the easiest thing in right. the world. They make it difficult. You know, I had a Google and I'm looking up this and do I get this now or what license do I? There's nothing that was just clear of someone holding my hands and saying, let me show you how to do this. Well, the, the question I have, uh, the questions I have usually go away from, you know, it's more about the why, you know, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Who's your market? How are you going to be different? Yeah. And what's your strategic plan? What are your strategic goals for the first, second, third year? Mm -hmm. Where are your people coming from? And, and just kind of asking those questions mm -hmm. and, do you have a written document that talks about how you're going to launch this thing? Do you need funding? Do you need capital to get this thing started? Yeah. If you do, you need a written business plan. You need to talk about your curriculum vitae, put that together, and you need to include that as part of your business plan and what you're going and uh, what you're doing and why. The banks will be interested in that. Mm. You can get financing based on an idea. That's 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 amazing. <laughs> it is. It is. And you know, and I think a lot of people would start off different if they had that financing to start rather than, you know, a pickup truck and a chainsaw. I'm going to try to save up some money, right. no insurance, nothing. Let me just start cutting some trees and I'll make some money and then I'll, then I'll get legit. But if they can start right away, let me tell you, uh, I had that option, you know, with the, with the concrete company is I didn't have to, st I could have just did concrete, you know, under the table, but yep. I'm 10 years ahead of the game because I did it right the first time, even though it wasn't super easy. No. Uh, and I didn't have someone holding my hand, but you know, hearing about the TCIA and, and them being able to do, I mean, that's what, uh, that's important. And, right. and that, that's why I appreciate this industry so much for, for outlets like that, uh, that are able to help individuals to do that, you sure. know, and I can't wait to, uh, hopefully have the TCIA on the show and talking about that and talking about business because we need to be talking about business more, how to do smart business, how to build a business, how to grow a business, how to make more profit, how to invest back into your people, you Absolutely. know, and by investing in your people with training and education and safety, one it helps you make more profit Yes, and it's not a bad word. No. Invest in safety and make more money. Absolutely. It's very simple, Absolutely. you know. And I, I'm so glad you said that because, you know, um, there is there's there's different parts of safety. There's part of safety of we don't want anybody hurt and we want people to go home at mm -hmm. night. But at the same time, on safety, I want to make more money. Right. And the more money I make, the more I can give. The more exactly. better benefits. The more we grow. The more positions. So on and so forth for that. So that that's neat to hear that. So it'll 
I'll see if I can put this online. Uh, I'll find, you know, the number or something and, and post it. So, okay. uh, for TCIA. So they, I'm like, you call this person, yep. uh, and they'll help you out from that, uh, for that. So being, being in the industry, learning those things. I mean, that, that was, this is the book you should write. This is a small book that, yep. you know, make, make a two, three chapter book shoot this is, is such good knowledge to have in there so let's let's talk about some of the kind of incidents when you say 99.9 percent give us some examples of some maybe some real life things without you know saying any names or people or companies but some things that happened where what changes they could have made to prevented stuff like that well it's i mean like i talked about the uh the climber that was rolled over by the nine ton crane truck so the 910 crane truck, small company in, in, in Pasadena, they were doing work at a, at a church mm-hmm. on a Monday. They didn't chalk their wheels. So <laughs> um, they didn't, and they didn't put it in park or they didn't put it in, in gear. So truck starts to roll towards the church. No one's there. Would have caused a lot of property damage, but he runs after it, tries to, tries to save the church slips and falls and the truck rolls rolls over him that's those are the types of incidences i'm talking about that are 100 percent 100 percent preventable um there are plenty of times when you have instances where people take shortcuts there there are there are two employees that are the scariest that work for tree companies. One's the guy that's lost his fear of heights. He's been in the business a long time. He thinks he knows everything. The other is the newest guy. So you've got that kind of bell curve, that spectrum. But the guy, it's the really, I think them, well, they're both very scary. So you really have to, you have to move the people. If you look at a bell curve, you have to look at the people that lost their fear of heights and mm-hmm. move them back over to the other side of the bell curve to have them reintroduced to that fear somehow to get them to understand hey gravity is there you cannot take shortcuts you cannot you cannot do things the way you know they used to be done 25 years ago there's been mm-hmm. so much so many advances in tree climbing techniques yeah that you've got to up your game Mm-hmm. It's it's just like, you know, tree climbing, you know, 4.0. You've got it, you know, you're getting a software upgrade. And and the ergonomics of the current tree care climbing uh, equipment, so much better. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say to a guy that, that lost his fear in heights? I mean, how do, how do you get it back? It's a great question. That's a, that's, I, I don't have a silver bullet for that, but it it would be, you know, kind of assessing and training and really, yeah. you know, conversations. It's, it's definitely when and, they... And, and recognizing the shortcuts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's having the understanding, hey, everybody takes for granted that this guy's been with the company for 20 years and knows everything. It's, hey, he's starting to take shortcuts. And it's, mm-hmm. it's having somebody there to call him out on it. Yeah, yeah. That no, that's definitely it. It's uh, and then reintroducing new new techniques and saying, "Hey, teaching you're doing, and training them." Yeah, yeah, you're you're doing it the old way, man. No wonder your back hurts. Yeah, getting you know? getting some people around because he's he's top dog. Yeah, 
in his company. Exactly. No one's teaching them. And this goes back to the ownership of of really pushing education and training and, and disrupting his patterns, disrupting yes. his norm where he does the same thing every single day. He does it better than anybody else around him. He's just, it's just, mm-hmm. yeah. disrupt it. Yep. Send him to a class, send him to TCI, send him the winter management, yep. let him meet some other people that go, Oh, you climb on that system. Oh dude, what are you 20? I mean, this exactly. is 20 years ago. Exactly. And then, he starts realizing and keeps up in his game, but education and training is everything. You know, uh, I've said this before on the show, but had a gentleman come in um, and he did a year long study with Pacific gas and electric and his two things that he, uh, I asked him, I said, what were the two biggest things of this study on safety that uh, you learned? And his two things were one middle management. They got people in that didn't know the industry. Right but they could read and write English and Spanish Mm -hmm. uh, that was leading them. And then two was training and education. They stopped teaching and they stopped uh, uh, educating their people. And when they did that, they get complacent. They seem like this is how we do it every day, but you've done it wrong for 20 years. Nobody's taught you the right way just because this is all you know. Right. So you keep disrupting that norm for that. Absolutely. So let's talk about kind of a, a... a new company kind of getting into the game or an existing company who's been doing this a long time um, with the insurance game. A lot of times you're just, I think this is right. I don't talk to a lot of other tree companies to see what they're using. Right. It sounds good. It looks cheap. Let me go with it. What are right. some of the biggest things that they, uh, uh, they oversee? <coughs> Excuse me. Well, you know, one of the things is that we look at, do they have the right limits of insurance? Can you look at a? Can you look at what the potential catastrophes are that the business might cause, and is does the insurance represent the coverage that would cover that catastrophe? Mm-hmm. It's it would be, you know, many times it's it'd be like workmanship error is something that's specifically excluded from an unendorsed general liability policy that w- it covers for. If you, if you have somebody that mistakes a work order, removes the wrong tree, um, you know, I remember one of uh, one of the cases that I had was new foreman comes to work, removes a whole row of wrong trees. Oh, gosh, it's a three hundred thousand dollar claim. So things like that. Um, I mean, what do they do with something like that? Um, well, I mean, if they don't have the coverage, then it's it's in the, it's out of their pocket. Oh my gosh. So how do they finance it? I don't know. They go through the legal process and you know, maybe it's a bankruptcy or whatever the issue is, but it's, it's better just to have the right coverage up front. It's having, I always say, I try to make your insurance coverage as mistake proof as possible, where if you forget to tell me about something that it kind of collects that risk. Yeah. Um, you know, and, um, many times, uh, in my, in the early part of my career, there was a lot of misclassification going on. It was an understanding of, Hey, if this guys are on the ground, um, I'm going to classify them as landscape. Yeah. The guys that are up in the tree, those are trees. So I've got one guy that's, that's, that's in the tree and the rest are landscape. Well, you can't do it that way. It's, it's just the way the rules are 
both for California and the National Council of Compensation Insurers. Mm-hmm. It's an all operations class code, so it goes into tree care. Mm-hmm. What's ha- what happened was it skewed what's called expected loss rates. So the loss rates for the industry because there wasn't enough payroll in the tree category. Now we're seeing it less and less. The insurance companies are getting smarter about it mm-hmm. and the wages are going up. So we're seeing expected loss rates go down. Right now, we're, we haven't seen workers' comp rates this low in my whole career. Hmm. It's, it's, it's so good right now. That's awesome. Yeah. So let me, a lot of people on the West Coast, we got to deal with fires. Yes. What is, what is Hub, Arbor Max? How are you guys partnering, helping out with that? Well, um, we definitely underwrite the risk. Uh, we There has to be, uh, you know, if you're dealing with utilities, it's it's so expensive. We can get the coverage, but it's, it's, it's basically a per, your premium is a percentage of the limit of insurance. It's uh, it's really really high. It's called that's called rate online. So if we have on the low side on the low side exposure, it's a hundred thousand dollars yeah uh, per million. On the high side, we've seen it go as high as four hundred thousand per million, depending on the risk, depending on the particulars of each individual wow. company. It's I mean, if you look at if you drive around Northern California, you drive around Southern California, it's a it's a freaking tinderbox, mm-hmm. you know. So oh, so if you don't have the training, you don't have the you don't have the tools, the resources, mm-hmm. the understanding with your crews to understand. Hey, we got you know a high fire condition day. It's windy, and these are the exposures. And you give your guys the ability to shut down work because it's too risky, and they understand that. Um, yeah, you know we've. I've partnered with some fire experts to help us to train uh, companies on understanding vegetation, understanding fire behaviors, those those kinds of issues. So it's just basically those are all all preventable as well. Yeah. It's understanding the conditions and what you need to do to prevent fires from happening. And you could, if you had to do the work. In, in that condition, what would you do to make it so that it was safe? I mean, there's yeah. there's certain products you can lay on the ground. There's certain things that you can do if you have to do the work during those higher high fire conditions. Yeah, it's uh, uh, this year right now in California. This is this is set up to be the worst fire season ever. Yes. And for the last five years, every year keeps breaking the record. Yes. And right now, it's. Uh, the whole state's ready to burn down. Yeah, and it's not just it's California, it's Oregon, Oregon, Washington, Washington Utah, yes. yeah, Colorado, Arizona, Colorado, yeah. Nevada. It's really, really bad. Really bad. You know, there's there's crews right now up there on on the lines, you know, cutting lines and cleaning up to get the power back up and yep. everything right now. And we're still cleaning up in, in California in this area from five years ago. Yep. Still cleaning up. You know, homeowners and state uh, counties and cities and everything that's out there right now. Um, so, what are let's let's talk about kind of uh, um, let's talk about kind of like individuals within this company. I mean, in into this employee wise, you know, for employers hiring employees. You know, I mean, employees are always a uh, how do I say it? It's a they're always they're the ones. Without training, 
Wait, how am I trying to say this? I'm messing up here. So employees that are coming in, you know, for myself is with all the training, all the education you give them, they still make those mistakes. Yeah. You know, uh, they still have where you get that call and you're going, are you kidding me? He's been trained on this. Yes. We've taught him. We've looked at this. Why would he make that mistake? I mean, how does these employers deal with employees like that? Well, my favorite motivational speaker growing up was Zig Ziglar. Mm-hmm. And his saying, and I, I say this quite often, but it really ring, rings true for me, is it's your attitude, not your aptitude, that determines your altitude. And that just says it all for me because if somebody made a mistake and they forgot and they really are trying hard, well, whatever happens, happens. And it's, but they weren't, but if their attitude was such that they weren't paying attention, mm-hmm. that they weren't trying to learn it, that they, they were really just, just mailing it in. Yeah. They're not your employee. They're not the employee that you should have working for you. But if their attitude is such as, Hey, I really want to learn this. I really want to be great at it. I screwed up. I forgot this one step. You know, can you teach me again? Yeah. All day long. You take care of that person. Bingo. Even if, and, and that's what I say. Everybody on my team, if you make a mistake and you're trying your best, mm-hmm. I'll support you a hundred percent. Same thing. That is, that's, that's, you're spot on, spot on with that. And last, that provides them a safe place to work. Yeah. They're, they're okay with making mistakes. Yeah. They're okay because they know they're going to learn from it. They know they're going to get better and you know, they're going to get better because of it from there. Uh, it's like, uh, Jeremy Tibbetts always used to say, you know, I'm okay with you making mistakes just as long as it's not the same mistake over and over over and over over again. again. Yep. You know, learn from your mistakes, uh, mistakes and move on from that. Um, great, man, man, this has been Absolutely awesome. Uh, absolutely awesome. I, I have so many people that keep pop, popping up asking questions uh, here. So we're going to get in for everybody's watching. We're going to get into the questions here in a minute. So you're able to answer some questions from some people and we're going to put them on live. Okay. Uh, so you get to see their faces and, and be able to talk and everything. So let's, I want to just kind of finish up with this and just, you know, you've given so much wisdom tonight um, with, and there's going to be a lot of people that have some questions that can contact you directly, go to hub, go to armor Max. Uh, give out my personal mobile number. Give it out. What do you, what do you got? What's your number? 805-729-3073. All right. You guys heard it. So if you guys want to give him a call, shoot him a text, uh, he'll, he'll get you the answers. Uh, he helped me myself out in my career and, and helped me get on the right path of, an area I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't have any wisdom. I didn't know where to go. And I appreciate that to this day. Um, so with all the wisdom that you've given tonight on the insurance game, in the tree care game of what you've learned and being the guru to it all, uh, what, what, what's kind of your last, you know, wisdom that you can just give out that if anybody's going to remember anything from the show, what would be something that you would, I mean, you've given so much. I mean, you can almost repeat what you've said on some of those. Uh, but what's, what's your wisdom to, to individuals or companies or employers? There is no quick fix. There is no shortcut. Lean in to the hard stuff. Have a great attitude. And love your employees. Love, love the people you work with. 
love, love. Well, Mark, again, appreciate you being on the show today, man. Thank I, you for I mean, having me. It was, <laughs> you didn't know you were going to be on the show today. No. You didn't know you were going to be drinking beer uh, in, in uh, Santa Rosa with me and stuff. And I'm going to be looking forward to having dinner with you tonight. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciate you uh, and appreciate everything you do, not just for me uh, and, and our companies, but also just for the industry being the staple, being the voice, being the person uh, that everybody can always reach out to with, with a lot of uh, love sure. and a lot of, you know, good attitude and helpful trying to help people just better their lives. And I appreciate that, man. Well, the thing that keeps me going uh, by doing this and with a great deal of zeal and passion is knowing the work that I've done and the work that I'm doing keeps people coming home to their families. And where... I I don't know too many places in my business where you can have that direct connection and that fires me up. It fires me up every day Mm -hmm. and I love it. (laughs) You get me fired up, man. I'm that's, that's awesome. 